1: LinkedIn the place to be to be
2: let's take a moment to breathe deep inhale extend your spine remain focused on what you're doing if safe to do so exhale slowly leaning to one side inhale back to center if safe to do so exhale slowly to the opposite side Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.
3: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
1: This episode includes discussion about sexual abuse that some listeners might find disturbing.
4: You're listening to Modern Rules, a production of MSNBC and iHeartRadio.
5: True masculinity is being in touch with your feelings and not suppressing or, again, being performative.
6: His father would have beat him up with a baseball bat. My dad didn't. Every man in his life, at one time or another, is a fool, a
7: victim, or a king.
4: I'm Stephanie Rule, MSNBC anchor and NBC News correspondent, and this is Modern Rules. In this season of Modern Rules, I'm gonna be spending time unpacking the hairiest conversations, from privilege to political correctness, to try and figure out how we can navigate this changing world and breakthrough to actually talk with and learn from the people who disagree with us and maybe, just maybe, learn something along the way. Together on Modern Rules, we're gonna get into masculinity and the changing rules for both men and women with my guests, Terry Crews, Sean Doherty, and Quest Love. That's coming up on Modern Rules. When you think super masculinity, mega guy, you think big, strong, athlete, The Rock, or maybe my first guest, Terry Crews. He is a portrait of that, but he's also a lot more. Terry's a comedian and he's an author. He's also a survivor of sexual assault. And he's been very open about his addiction to pornography that he overcame with the help of rehab. And he used his celebrity platform. He put it at risk to talk about all of these things and more. So I decided to sit down with him. Terry, first I wanna start, I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you for everything you do, specifically around masculinity. And so I wanna go back in time. As a, me, as a mom, I have two young sons and a daughter, but I wanna know when you were a kid growing up, what do you think masculinity was? what do you wanna be?
7: Wow. That's a big question. Um, For me, what I thought masculinity was, was muscle. I thought you had to be the strongest. You had to be the toughest. And I have to say, I started up, it was pretty innocent, just in you know, comic book heroes and, you know, the images of manliness that you saw back in the day. I mean, I remember walking around and there was Marlboro Men posters and it was like, that's a man. You know, He's he just got off a horse and he's alone. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but as a kid, you're like, I don't ever want to be alone. So maybe when I get to be a man, then maybe one day I'll, I'll be able to not feel bad about being alone. You know what I mean? Because manliness was like, I walk alone, I do my thing. And I have to say, my father was the example. He had his own life. He was separate from all of us. He was very abusive. That was the image, and I was like, I wonder if I'm going to be like that. That was the, the big question. Did you want to be like that? Now, I have to say, there's a difference between how men take things and women. One thing I always say is that men tend to be manipulated by pride.
8: Mm. This is
7: the deal, whereas a guy will look at another guy and go, hey, man, I bet you can't jump off that, that rock over there. And a guy will go, I bet you I can. And then a guy will jump off the rock. Now, a woman will be in the center and go, hey, what are you doing? Don't jump off that. You're going to hurt yourself.
4: Correct. But if a woman walks into a party wearing the same dress as another woman, she's crawling under a rock. Whereas two guys walk into a party wearing the same thing, and they're chest bumping and going, don't we look good? Whoa,
7: woah, what? But, but yeah. now, now I want to flip this. And this is through what I have observed. I, I, I'm i not a woman, so I won't speak for women. But this is what, when, what I have observed and how men have manipulated women. Men have manipulated women through fear mm-hmm. it's like hey you know what you're not looking as good as you used to or hey uh you know what aren't you afraid that I'm gonna run off they kind of play the fears of a woman and what happens is that's the way people are manipulated but one thing I discovered is that I Terry Cruz, had to fight pride because that was a thing that was making me do so many stupid things in my life. Why did you
4: choose to, right? You're the portrait of masculinity. Whatever self-doubt you've got, that could live inside your shower as you scream or cry, and then you could walk out of that shower and be the big buff Terry that we always knew. What made you decide to go on this
7: journey? First of all- It was a risk. yeah, Yeah, every man in his life, at one time or another, Is a fool, a victim, or a king. Now, every man has a foolish stage where you're just a fool. You're like, "Ah, I'm going to try this. You do dumb, dumb, dumb things. But what problem is by doing those dumb things, you really mess up things. Okay, something's going to get messed up. And then you become a victim. You switch gears. Well, it was because of this. It was because of that. Let me tell you, with victimhood, you never run out of excuses. It was my mother. It was my father. It was where I grew up. It was the teacher I had. It was a wife. It was a, you never run out. That table was always full. But then there's the moment where you become the king. And the king is when you realize that you are responsible for everything in your life, good and bad. If it's bad, you did it. If it's good, you did that too. Everything. Is your responsibility in your own life, and that it's like, wait a minute. If I didn't like something, I should've. I can tell her to get out of my courtroom.
4: But Terry, you were the victim of assault. That wasn't yeah. your fault.
7: But no, I didn't say it was my fault. But what I am saying is, as a victim, that's a whole other thing. When you've been wronged, there's a choice to make. There's a choice to make. And the big thing I had to make was, was I going to stay here? You've moved from victimhood to survivor, two different places. I decided I was going to be a survivor. A survivor fights back. A survivor stands for other survivors. You see what I mean? But victimhood can be like, well, you know what? This is just the way it is. I'm going to tell you this. There are so many men. I just spoke to the military. I went to South Korea, spoke to the military all day. Victimhood doesn't tell on other people. It literally stays right where it is because this is where we are. It's their fault, and you give power to other people. At the time, I remember literally spending a year knowing that this man did this to me, and I didn't say anything because I felt like a victim, and I was like, well, what can I do?
4: So you woke up and decided to become a survivor?
7: Inspired by the women of the Me Too movement. When I heard their story, and these women came forward and were raw and honest about what Harvey Weinstein did to them. I read that Ronan Farrell story, and I could not put it down. You know what it was like? It's like I'm behind enemy lines, and I'm watching people escape through the fence. And I was like, I, I think I can go through the fence. And, but I was like, uh, but I don't know. But then I watched another one run out. And I watched another person run out.
4: But, Terry, this goes back to toxic masculinity or our expectations of men. Because when you came out, people were surprised. Lots of people were supportive. But some people weren't. Oh, yeah. Some people mocked it. Some people were like, what? A man getting assaulted? I don't get it.
7: First of all, they were told, I was told that it was impossible. They were like, dude, you're too big. Too big to ever have that happen to you. That's like saying a building's too big to get robbed. You know what I mean? It's, it's literally like, so size has something to do with that? No, it doesn't.
4: Were you vulnerable because you needed a job?
7: Hmm, yeah. There was vulnerability there simply because I wanted to work.
4: Simply so that because, wouldn't happen to you today?
7: Oh, no, not now. Not but let's, now, say, but, hold but on.
4: let's say you hadn't come out with your story, right. but you were significantly more successful Terry Cruz. Do you think you would have been a target or a victim of assault if you were much more established.
7: Yeah. Really? Oh, no. First of all, the man that assaulted me didn't care. You know what I mean? He... But he was
4: more powerful than you. Well,
7: uh, that's the thing. That's the nature of assault. You don't assault people you think are as powerful as you are. You always have a, a superiority over whoever you go after. If I was to hit somebody in the face, it's because I believe I'm better than them or bigger than them or stronger than them. That's the only criteria. If you felt someone was actually equal to you, you would never put your hands on them. It's about superiority. It's about I'm over you. And the deal is, is that if you felt you were even, you wouldn't do that. This guy always felt like he was over me.
4: Hold on a second, because we have so much more to talk about. We'll be right back after a quick break.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing
9: What exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party?
3: All that, plus so much more.
9: Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Grown Up Stuff Welcome back to Modern Rules. Were you surprised that you got any pushback? when you came out?
7: Actually, I knew there would be some because I know my community, I know the culture, I know sports culture, I knew African-American culture, and I knew people would be like, what? But because it was so important, there was a moment that I was, I remember talking to my wife, I was like, it's bigger than us. We have to come forward simply because There's so many people getting away with this that if we don't add our names to the story, I felt like a farce. I felt like a fraud for it to happen to me and for me to remain silent. And this is a personal thing. And my deal is is always, always seek help for yourself first. Now, you have to understand too, before I came forward, I had been through years of counseling, years of self-reflection. I had already wrote manhood. You understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. I had been you public about. wrote manhood
4: about so before many America was ready to read it.
7: Well, that's the thing. I've already been through this stuff. When I went back to my wife, I was like, "Rebecca, this is the stuff I'm talking about. This is the toxicity that we need to fight because this attitude is ridiculous."
4: Then, when you wrote manhood, what did publishers say? What did agents say?
7: My publisher literally felt like, "Eh." It, you know i mean i remember going on a press tour that lasted like 3 days and and it was over i was like well, are we going to do any more i actually still wanted to do an audiobook and they wouldn't let me do it i i couldn't believe i think they thought they wanted a really funny anecdotal book and they ended up with a very serious you know topical like what is he talking about kind of book i think they felt men would be turned off and I feel validated right now. Who did you look up to when you were a kid? Oh, my God. I mean, again, I watched Bad Albert. I mean, Bill Cosby. These are people who were pivotal to me and then let me down. And so it was really crushing. I have to say, when the whole thing started to go down, because we had heard rumors and this kind of thing, and I, even with rappers and, and musicians, and you start to see, like, oh, my God, these people were... Monsters. It, it hurts. It still hurts. You know what I mean? And there were a lot of people I looked up to that I can't look up to anymore. But I also realized I got to fill that space.
8: Mm-hmm.
7: You know, it's not good enough to just talk about what's bad. You have to put good things out. And I think it can counteract, just a little bit of good really counteracts a ton of bad. It's like a, if you carry a, le- a candle into a dark room, mm-hmm. The room is lit.
4: Yep. You You know what I mean? The darkness runs.
7: You know what I mean? Mm Because you got to understand. It was like, when I grew up, if you couldn't fix your car, you weren't even a man. You weren't even a man. They would be like, okay, I didn't know anything about cars. And so they were like, dude, okay, you know what? Go learn about cars and you'll be a guy. I play the flute. Okay, I played a flute. You know how many times I was called, oh, man, look at this sissy, man. What are you doing? Do it. And then I go to football practice. Let me tell you something. The the sheer fact that I played football was actually to to fight the stuff I was called. You understand what I mean? Wow, yeah. I was art oriented. I was painting, drawing. I had interests in entertainment. I still, to this day, love fashion. But I was looked at as like, oh, man, look, he's weak. But now, listen, I'm stronger than you. Can you call me weak? And so I felt like to compensate for that, I would go into the gym, which is a lot. was a lot of people do. And let me tell you something, this is another thing a lot of people don't know. There are lots and lots of men, one in six, who have been molested, have been sexually assaulted, and have never, ever come out about it or never talked about it, but have overcompensated. Beings taking steroids, being more supermanly. If
4: I'm so manly, they can't get me. Do you
7: understand? Yes. You're talking about, and this is this is facts. One in six, and it's such an epidemic that you know it's one of those things that when people finally come forward, this is what blew everyone away. Even after I talked to Congress, there were six wrestlers from Ohio State that came forward about the team doctor that molested them. Wrestlers, people who you would think are the manliest, super strongest guys, toughest. They finally felt like it was safe to come outside. And that's what I wanna tell people. I'm like, hey man, it's safe. You know what? Nothing's gonna happen to you. Nobody's gonna take anything from you. You're not weak. In fact, you're strong by telling your truth.
4: We see more and more the ways in which we expect men to be and behave are evolving. Men are now grappling with the lessons of their parents and they're choosing whether or not they wanna pass them on to their kids. That's a big theme we discussed with my next guest. He's a Navy veteran, a restaurateur, Sean Doherty. He's an advocate for child sex abuse survivors, but he's also a survivor of child sex abuse himself. When he was in the fifth grade, his priest abused him. It was a secret he struggled with for many, many years of his childhood as he grew up with seven siblings in Pennsylvania. When you were growing up, the way we raised our children, specifically our boys, they weren't emotional. They put their heads down, they kept their mouths shut, and they forged ahead. And now we're trying to give our boys the license to open up, to express themselves more. And it doesn't mean that they can't be masculine, but it almost seems like we're we're redefining what masculinity is. Do you think that's a good thing? Because some people don't.
6: Whether people think it's a good thing or it's not a good thing, that's what's happening. But so, somebody
4: with your dad's upbringing might say, this is wrong that we're letting our boys do this.
6: It's, it's not wrong. And, you know, my dad, uh, over the course of my lifetime, that hard-making steel maker, I have a homosexual brother. I have people of color in my family now to where. The father of old, the Archie Bunker, would never go for that. But he was forced with, you know, what's he going to do? Is he going to throw his son out?
4: So what did he do?
6: Embraced him. Lived with it. Drank. You know, know, never really understood it. But, you know.
4: Didn't stop loving.
6: My dad was a very good guy, but he was brought up very hard. But look, his father would have beat him up with a baseball bat. My dad didn't. This generation were transsexuals in the military, you know. I'm a military veteran. A lot of people don't like what I say about the military, but you know, we weren't allowed, you know, black people weren't allowed to serve in the military before. They said that that was going to disrupt the unit. Well, it did disrupt the unit, didn't it? But So
4: all the divisions that we talk about all the time, you see them as smaller and smaller. Like you see progress. That western Pennsylvania home is changed today.
6: Very changed today. But, you know, some things for the better, some things for the worse. You know, uh, opioids. My town is being crushed by opioids. But you know what? Now we're at least talking about why. Before when I was a kid, hey, there's a bar and a church on every corner in town. Why is it? Oh, now as an adult, I know it. there's a bar <laughs> on every corner because there's a church on the opposite corner. You need it. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're self-medicating. Well, at least now— You were talking about it, the masculine. They're saying, I need help.
4: We're going to be right back after a quick break.
2: My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer.
8: In response to attacks against Asian-Americans.
9: What exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party?
3: All that plus so much more.
9: Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Grown Up Stuff Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, and when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning.
9: We also talked to some of the hottest country stars of today. And we like to share some good news with That's What I Like.
3: Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL.
9: Set your preset on your radio right now. And don't forget, you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.
4: Welcome back to Modern Rules. My friend Amir is a polymath, a musician, a composer, an entertainer. You might know him as Quest Love. He's been in the music industry for a long time, as a member of The Roots, as a band leader for Jimmy Fallon, and as a producer of Hamilton. As a man who has spoken out on gender, race, celebrity, inequality, and many other seminal discussions for as long as I've known him. In our wide-ranging interview, we get right to the heart of what makes masculinity so tricky, and somehow we managed to work in Beyonce and Prince along the way. I wanna to talk to you about masculinity.
8: Yeah.
4: Because right now there's this toxic masculinity, and, and and people are saying we're going after, you know, what represents being a man, and 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 we have phrases like man up. But when I look at all of the loneliness, when I look at the school shooters and the boxes that young boys are put in because they've got to be so tough and they can't show emotion, mm-hmm. I see a positive that we're now giving license to say. You don't just have to shut up and be tough. You can be more than that. But there's a lot of pushback against it. And now we're insulting a man's masculine identity.
5: It's weird now. I'll joke and say, like, yeah, you know, my dad was Joe Jackson drill sergeant type. But, I mean, he definitely was from the school of, like, well, your mom can do the nurturing. I'm the tough love sheriff. But as a result, we really didn't have a tender relationship that until really like the last year of his life, I mean, he's on his deathbed and we finally, you know, shed tears. And it was weird. Like, wow, dad knows how to cry? I never knew that. And it's weird because even now my band members, I'm I'm the only root without a a kid. It's one thing when they're newborns, but now they're 12, 13, Mm -hmm. 14, going through the same problems that you're going through. Mm -hmm. And often the discussion is, I want to be the progressive parent that, talks and explains to my child on how should I handle this particular situation. And it's everyday situations from acting up in school Mm -hmm. to who's this friend you're hanging out with? What's this girl doing here? That sort of thing. And now the debate is whether or not to repeat the cycle of what our fathers taught us or do we just talk? Most black fathers and black families look at white people crazy when it's like, go to timeout. I wish I knew what timeout was. I did not know a time.
4: (laughs) Trust me. I was a white girl that got spanked many a time.
5: (laughs) Well, okay. just So you know what's up. That's what I'm dealing with now. Like what is, what is the proper answer is talking and explaining and having faith that your child will make the right decision. Will that be effective? Or will you be like me, you know, 20, 25 years into therapy dealing with,
4: Suck it up and man up. The
5: undoing of everything that I was taught and learning a new process. Not everyone is fortunate as I am to afford the best therapist and to get these lessons. Yeah, and we do live in a toxic masculine culture right now.
4: But then do we need to not abandon what masculinity is, but look at it in a different way, right?
5: I think we need to redefine it. And I think that real masculinity is... Prince is a great example. Chris Rock said that, what's more confident masculine than knowing that a guy in high heel boots can steal your woman? (laughs) (laughs) That's
4: the best thing I ever
5: heard. I mean, that to me is, is the definition of true masculinity is being in touch with your feelings and not suppressing or, again, being performative. Because there's also performative masculinity. Behind closed doors, I've seen the toughest of the tough cry like babies over. Like, my dog died today. But then going, you know, what's up, motherfucker? You know, that sort of thing. So it's the idea of performative is, again, putting a facade or a mask on so that you can get through everyday life.
4: Then Quest, what do we do? When my second son was five years old and we were looking at schools. hmm I went to go see a co-ed school, and when they gave me a tour, they said, "And this is the field where the boys play lacrosse, and this is where the girls have chorus practice, and this is where the girls uh, this, Home yeah, and this is where the girls do art. This is the wrestling room for the boys, and that son for me loves music, he loves writing, he loves acting, and in the end, I made the decision to send him to an all boys school, mm-hmm. and it was because if he's in an all boys environment. There's no boy activity or girl activity. Everybody just does everything. And for me, I wanted to protect him from those labels until he was, you know, in the eighth grade. And, and by then, he was confident, and he knew what lane he would want to be in. Do we need to change? I'm seeing slow change.
5: You know, it's weird. And I joke to this all the time. Whenever I play Beyonce's song, it's a call to all women to come to the <laughs> dance floor. And most men start looking at their invisible watches like, "Uh, I'm going to go over there. Like, I never see a guy dance to Single Ladies or (laughs) the intro to Crazy in Love. Like, I never see a guy, like, strut. Her music is so ubiquitous, but it's almost like I struggle to find one guy that will like,
4: oh, my God, Drunken Love is on. This is my shit.
5: You know, that sort of thing.
4: Who run the world, girls? You don't know any guys who just can't wait to get out there?
5: When I want to see a sea change on the floor, And to see all women dance, Beyonce's that person. But yet, if all women are dancing, then guys are like, okay, I got to figure out my way back onto the dance. So she holds that power now.
4: So here's what I'm hearing about masculinity. It is shifting. Something that men and women thought they understood is changing. And I get it. That confusion is unsettling for a lot of guys out there. It's confusing for women, too. These changes can offend people, not on purpose, but especially when you think about identities that we inherit from our parents, and now we've decided to change those rules. That's hard for other generations. And if we wanna make these changes, we need to think about it sooner. We need to think about it from our kids' first memories, when we divide them in school and sports and the games that they play. And it doesn't mean that games are wrong, It doesn't mean that conduct should be forbidden. What I'm learning is it can be more. Men can be all of these traditional things and more. Something that I disagree with is saying this behavior is wrong and there shouldn't be a man of the household and a man shouldn't do that. Why does there have to be a shouldn't? Why do we have to devolve into this? Well, a man can't open a door and a man can't pay a bill. Stop with a can't. So here's what I'm going to do in my own life and on the platforms that I have, I'm going to be aware of these labels. I'm gonna think about who's the boss in commercials and who's carrying the laundry basket. I'm gonna think about those word choices to my kids. It doesn't mean my daughter can't be a princess. It doesn't mean my son can't be the star of the cabaret show. It just means we gotta offer more opportunities. So I, for one, what I'm gonna do is judge less and do more. This has been our conversation on masculinity. Thank you for listening and bringing an open mind and helping me create Modern Rules. Want more of this conversation? Go deeper and read this week's Modern Rules feature only on NBCnews.com better. That's it for today's episode. I'm your host, Stephanie Ruhl. A very, very special thanks to the extraordinary people who made this happen. My producers, Julie Brown, Samantha Ulin, and Ann Barak Audio. Michael Biet for booking and wrangling the amazing guests who joined us. Julian Weller for editing and Bill Plax, Michael Azar, and Jacopo Penzo for their recording expertise. Special thanks to Steve Licktide, Barbara Rabb, Jonathan Wald, Marie Dugo, Holly Traz, Nikki Etor, and Christina Everett. Our executive producers are Connell Byrne and Mangesh Hatigador. And of course, the men who brought us all together. Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia, Bob Pittman, and chairman of NBC News, Andy Lack.